What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Bitcoin! So, Tony, first of all, thank you. Um, thank you for, for all of this, for, for being here and for, yeah, I mean, for, for doing this together. So we've just launched Ledger Stacks, finally. Yeah, we launched it and we launched it together. And it's crazy that it all came together. Like the whole story, the whole background, like how it happened, all the, you know, ups and downs along the way. Like, it's pretty cool story. And we got to do it together. That's like so much fun in a city we love. Yeah, I, I, I think um, I, I keep telling people like, they're, they're like, wait, how did this happen? And this is a pretty personal story for me that starts with this sentence. Well, seven years ago, I moved to Paris and I didn't make very many friends, but two of the friends I made were Tony Fidel and Pascal Gauthier. And there and now there's Ledger Stacks. Okay, so let's try to go backwards and put this story together. Um, so you and I both moved to Paris seven years ago. Yeah. Why did you come here? I came to Paris. Well, it first started coming in 2009. So 2009, I was only supposed to be visiting for two weeks. And it ended up being eight, nine months because I loved it so much. And, you know, the kids were loving it. So we're just like, let's stay. Let's stay for a while. And, and were then, you trying out other places in the world at the yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. That was on, I was on a worldwide trip. So about a year and a half worldwide trip, trying different places, places in Spain, doing stuff in the States, just all around, just to try to absorb and get like... Get out of Silicon Valley after 10 years of doing, you know, iPod, I, uh, iPhone, all that stuff. It was like, okay, got to write the write the brain because it's just, it was a trend bill that was never ending until I said, stop, stop this madness. And so you, so you came really to, to escape. And when you got here, did your brain stop working? Well, when it came to Paris specifically, um, I had so much inf inspiration. Well, one, I got to meet a few really, really smart people here. That was great because I was like, oh, I got reconnected with kind of Silicon Valley. But who are those Silicon Valley type people here? That was one thing. And then the second one was really I got the inspiration to really design Nest and the business plan. So this, the time that I was here, I was doing the, that kind of work and then went back to Silicon Valley to actually build Nest. And then at the end of Nest, came back to Paris and that's, you know, and now it leads me to so Paris. So Paris inspired Nest. That's Paris inspired, absolutely inspired Nest and it absolutely inspired, you know, to, to come back and then ultimately stacks. And then, and then what, um, I'm curious, like what your first impressions, like, you know, you kind of eject yourself out of Silicon Valley and you come to Paris, but like you said, you, you meet these intelligent people in Paris. What were your first impressions of the way it was different here than compared to Silicon Valley? Well, in 2009, it was a very different place than it was in 2016, you know, when you show up. So 20, 2009, it was like there's some some smart people here, but it was still like, oh well, why don't we why don't we have the French version of Google and why don't we have the French version or the European version of Facebook or whatever it was? So it was a lot of this kind of him and Han, still big companies. There were a few people doing a few things interesting, and they were smart, of course, but it wasn't a entrepreneurial culture yet. Like when I came back in 2016 and in 2017, the whole shift in Paris and in France and a lot of places in Europe went from corporations to because of I think the app economy right iPhone created this you could create a lot of small companies around apps on the on a smartphone platform and all of a sudden all of this entrepreneurialism was happening in that in those eight years um, from from the first time I was first here to the time it moved here right and that's what was so exciting because I was like they're smart people now it's entrepreneurial and I was like in 2016, 17, I go, this feels like Silicon Valley when I got there in 20, uh, uh, well, Jesus, long, 1991, 1990. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I felt this energy. I wanted to be here. I, I had a really similar feeling like when I, because I, you know, when I, I moved to Los Angeles in 1995 and, you know, there was, you know, what everyone said to me was, why didn't you move to San Francisco, right? You know, but over the, the 20 years I was in LA, 
you actually, there was a, you know, a startup economy certainly got built and that startup was everything, you know, it really started in a lot of ways with MySpace, but it went on through so many other companies, you know, and then it also became, you know, kind of Netflix startup culture and it became cannabis startup culture and kind of like, you know, everything was possible in California, but also in Los Angeles. And then when I got here in 2015, 2016, I had the same feeling. It was like, Oh, I know this feeling. This feels like LA in kind of 2002 even was sort of what, what I was feeling. So I know exactly what you meant. Okay. So. And then, and then also when I was here, when I got here in 2016, people are like, why are you coming here? Everyone's going where you're leaving. I and I'm like, same. why are you coming to Paris? I get this all the time, even lesser extent now, but I still get it. Why? Why? You were in the heart of everything. Why'd you inject yourself? I had exactly the same thing. Everyone was like, wait, you moved from California to Paris? Like, we're all trying to go there. Why are you coming here? And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. That's done. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 the past. I love the place. I love the people of it. But I got, where's the new stuff? Twenty. I was there 26 years already at that point. It was like... Okay, Sasufi, enough, man. Where is the frontier? Yeah, where's the where's the cutting edge? That's the exactly, tip of the spear. Exactly what I felt. Okay, so you you were you were here, Nest was conceived here, you went back to California to build Nest right. um, as a company. You do, Nest sells to Google, you leave ultimately, and and show up in Paris and just said, Okay, what am I gonna do? Right. And I had started investing in things of that nature and companies all around. And it was just literally, let's see what happens. Let, let's just let the, you know, see what, what blows in the wind. And I started being able to hire people from my old teams, you know, and start creating this, um, what we call mentors with money company, where we would go and invest in companies and help them with their story, help them with their design of their products, help them with their experiences, their operations, funding, all that stuff. So we were in directly investing and now it's called Build Collective, and we have over 200 companies that we've directly invested in, and uh, and we help all around the world. You know, in France, in Europe, and and in many many continents. So 2016 to to today, from Paris, Build Collective, um, 200 plus companies, and a book. And a book this year, this past year in May, came out with Build, and uh, the book has just been it's been insane. It was it was a labor of love. Took two years. It started it right at the beginning of COVID. Uh, I didn't know COVID was coming, but hey, uh, and it was a perfect time to write this book. And, and it really allowed me to encapsulate all the stuff I did those 26 years in Silicon Valley in this book and and really get out there to honor my mentors who had helped me in the times when I was in Silicon Valley to get to where I was going. And, and before that, my grandfather, everyone who helped me to kind of get to where I am today. And so that build was a it was a great, a great segue into literally while we was doing it, working on on stacks with you guys because it just put so it crystallized so many ways of how we were able to build what we were able to build at Apple or at Nest or even before that and what were those lessons learned so I they were fresh in my mind so using stacks and ledger it was like okay what are we gonna do and let's not make those same mistakes so it was really I don't know it was timing was perfect yeah well and it's it's kind of nice to be like you know to have done this before have it not be your first rodeo and like we all benefit from from all of this experience so all right i'm gonna i'm gonna divert and tell a bit of my personal story now because it plays into this you know so 2015 i we had launched uh, apple music and you know i get a call from a company called lvmh louis vuitton moet hennessy based here in paris they're looking for a chief digital officer I give them some recommendations because I don't think I'm their guy, but having, you know, spent some time with Ben Arnaud, Alex Arnaud, um, uh, Nicola Brunel and other people like just kind of like going down the rabbit hole as it were with them, who are these guys? What are they trying to do? You and I once upon a time came from a world where music was 0% digital and you know, now it's close to hundred percent digital. And here I was staring at LVMH, which was 3% digital and saying, I think I could make it something more than, than 3%. 3%. Yeah, a little um, bit. So I said yes, and I come here. Now, as soon as I come here, people start saying to me, oh, then you must know Tony Fidel. I'm like, no, no, I, you know, I know who he is, but um, no, I never met the guy. I mean, well, you both, you know, Tony invented the iPod and, you know, you You're built digital you, music. What you build Apple in? music. You must know each other. Like oh, every, everywhere I would go, oh, hey, welcome to Paris and... Do you know Tony Fidel? I'm like, I don't know Tony Fidel. <laughs> so finally, our mutual friend Bradley Horowitz says, Good old Bradley. Hey, you're moving to Paris. Do you know Tony Fidel? I'm like, I don't know Tony Fidel. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, do you want to meet him? Yes. 
thank you. So it turns out you and I are taking our kids to school on the on the first day of school. First Very day, first day. Same age, same class. Um, and then I feel like we've been friends ever since. Ever I, since. Literally, we were, you know, we were always together ever since that September or August in 2017, I think. No, no, 16, that would have been because we started we started mid-year. So it was January. Yes, yes. Of 2016. And and so, yes, yeah, so that's my personal story. Now, similarly, right around the same time, I'm moving here to Paris and a former colleague, Tony Koppel, or Toby Koppel, um, who I'd worked with at Yahoo and, and Pascal worked with at Yahoo, said, oh, you're coming to Paris. You've got to meet Pascal Gauthier. And in the first 10 minutes I met Pascal, it was in a group of people and we didn't have a lot of time. It was one of these like, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And I just like something twisted in my brain. I was like, this guy is not like all of the other people I've met since I moved here. And I was like, can, can I see you again? You know, it was almost like I just wanted a second date. I really, you yeah, know, yeah. it was, a, it was I, I know that feeling. Yeah. And, and so, um, Pascal had opened a restaurant here recently and he's like, oh, well, yeah, come and he wasn't CEO of Ledger yet. No, he was, he, he was an investor, but he, he was, was an investor. CEO. He was an EIR basically at the time. Um, and, and so, you know, we, 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 you know, we got talking, our, our families became friends. We both love to ski, you know, and, and we've spent a lot of time together. So really, I, I think it's, this is why it's so personal for me. I've made like four friends here. <laughs> since I moved to you've been Paris. very busy while you've been and, <laughs> and you and Pascal are are 50% of the of, of that puzzle and you know the other half very well um and and so the fact that like we've managed to do something together is I mean in some ways surprising right you know there's there you know you might, sometimes you want to keep these things separately yeah you're like I separate you know business from pleasure like don't you know I don't want to screw it up with my friends these are my friends like okay you know I, we all have our personalities and our in our and idiosyncrasies so then 2020 um you know not you know i, th I don't think either of us we we saw each other as families but, yes but we really didn't see anyone anyone else yeah we were quarantined we were our little pod and and you and i also sort of looked at each other with like wild eyes think looking at crypto and went this is it isn't it you know two trillion of stimulus in the u.s a trillion in europe the technology's here yeah, it's um, been vetted it's been seven years so so to speak at that point and, and, and we said i i think that you know this you know i think this happens right that was you know now i'd been talking to pascal about ledger for years at that point and i the great news the great thing for me is i got to ask all the dumb questions you know why hardware why ledger why not my phone? You know, I, I, I got to, you know, ask all those dumb questions and, you know, meet, you know, people like Nicola Baca, Charles Guillemet and, and like really kind of go, okay, wow, these people are, they, they, they understand mm -hmm. what is happening here. And this reminds me of the early days of the internet when there are hyper intelligent people who are completely bought in on something where, you know, I need more knowledge. Right. So that was time that to was, learn. That was, yeah, exactly. Time to learn. Um, and so, you know, I, I finally, summer of 2020, I, I said to Pascal, I'm in. Like, what's, you know, well, how do we do this, right? So I take the role. Pascal, you know, I think presciently gives me the, the title of chief experience officer because, you know, his, his way of looking at it is, you know, we need to build an experience. And the way that you, when you buy an Apple phone, you're not buying a piece of hardware. You're buying an experience. You're buying an ecosystem. And, and Ledger needs to build that experience, that mm -hmm. ecosystem. So mm -hmm. let's, let's go further on that. And you, Tony, basically said to me, I'm not letting you go there unless I do the diligence. <laughs> exactly. I was like, Ian, wait, slow up, slow up. You know, this crypto stuff, it, especially security, it's a, there's a real problem here. And this is hardware-based stuff. I know a little bit about hardware. Let me, and I wanted to learn as well. Let's go see if these guys are real. So, so you're like, I, I want to, so you basically said, I'm, I'm going to go do the diligence on your new job. Exactly. I was like, I got to learn more. You're there. Okay. Let's go figure out if this thing is real. And then Tony comes back and he's like, basically gives me the green light that I yeah, can. Yeah, I got to I can, meet with Charles. I got to walk through the hardware. I got to understand everything really in detail and put a lot of hard questions out. And then I was like looking at all the competitors at the same time going, oh, wait a second. These guys are different. And, and what did you make of, you know, because you came in and spent time with the technology, like how did, what did you make of the technology when you were sort of thinking of it in, you know, diligence and competitive landscape? Well, you first start with what is that robust 
what is that robust piece of hardware that has been tried and tested and has been and really when you when you understand that the ledger technology comes from the chip and pin world from the credit card world and you see that chip and pin and you know the vectors of hacking on that and how many years and everybody's trying to get at that and you know it's coming from that you know you're starting with a fundamental base and then you start to understand all the layers so one is the the chip technology or those those ip blocks inside the chip then the stuff around those ip blocks then the hardware and the secure screen the secure io and understanding how all of this stuff works you start to see that this isn't just another open sourced like linux that has been tried to be hardened you know i've seen especially in ipod days and then definitely in iphone days all the hacking vectors that you could have you're like, oh my God, it's so hard to plug all these holes if you don't think first principles of how you design. You're always going to be patching, patching, patching in the layers and how you build your APIs and everything. Whereas this was built from the ground up, starting with that ultra secure hardware element. And then every single layer has been thoughtfully designed to make sure that security is not compromised in any way and tested all the way. Very, very different thing when people write a bunch of software. Oh, and then there's some security team over here. This is a secure set of software engineers. In other words, that they're security minded when they're building it. Yeah. And uh, it, that's a very, very different take. Yeah. Um, and that's what impressed me, especially when I looked at all the other and they were underfunded, they hadn't been in the market, they were hacked, or they, they started with some hardware that hadn't been tested in the market. Right. And, and there is something actually to come back to the Paris thematic. You know, there, there is a metier here in, in France. I mean, there's something, you know, um, in the water or more likely, you know, the, the right set of professors, you know, down in Grenoble where, you know, many people on the team come from. Like this is... Most adma advanced math, complex math was all done here in France. It's, it's in the universities. It's, it's like a big deal for people to graduate with mathematics degrees or something related to it. It's, yeah. it's special. No, there really is a, um, you know, and, and there's a, there's, it's hard to find some, a crypto team anywhere in the world that doesn't have a French person on it. You know, it, it's like, there is, um, there's definitely, you know, a real craft here in this, in this country. Well, so the, you know, okay. So, oh, and then we didn't even talk about the dungeon, yeah, the dungeon, like literally going out and hacking ledger trying to hack ledger devices hacking third-party devices whether that's hardware or software and it wasn't just a you know okay we're going to do a great job from a white hat perspective but also from a black hat perspective and go and the amount of testing reminds you of like what we would do to test like a how well the cell phone works or the camera works or like it's you know there are better security teams but this is like to another level this is orders of magnitude better than i've seen in in most huge companies whether that was google or apple or otherwise no i appreciate that i think it's and and i, I love it we're working you know working with this team i i, I really I, I i usually say this but I, I always feel like i'm sort of like a mouthpiece for you know for this this team that that does this um and i think we'll come to it in a second but you know we're, we're putting worlds together here right like the world that that i come from and and where you come from is different and the world that these you know the security team comes here from here is also different so and they did a great job together. of convincing me that you took a uh, you you went to a great company so i was like okay i'm convinced on the the, the basics right but the, then, the fundamentals but then tony comes back as tony does and <laughs> and and you know tells tells me and pascal that our baby is ugly Basically, which, you know, always hurts, always hurts. Well, let's be, let's be clear. <laughs> like, look, the world of crypto and when Ledger started was, you know, seven years ago. And that world was very much like the MP3 world of like 1998, 1999 that I knew of, that I was growing up in learning about MP3s and digital music, right? So you make a set of devices because you're like, ah, that's what I think that's what those users need because you don't know if it's going to be consumer. So what Tony, what Tony said is I, I said, yeah, Tony, I'm, I, my, my new job is I'm going to run the consumer business at Ledger. And Tony says, Ian, there is no consumer business in crypto. It's B to G, business to geek, not business to consumer. Your job is to make it B to C. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then you said, okay, look, and also there's a hole in your, in your, in your product roadmap. Yeah, there was a hole in it. So when I looked at it and you guys were talking about some futuristic devices as well as the ones you were shipping, and I was like, eh, I'm like looking at it, I'm like, wait a second. You go from this to this other B2G product. 
So it was like, oh, we're going to go from B2G to B2G. I'm like, no, no, no. Where's the C part? Where's the user experience? Where's that thing to grow the market so we can see what really can be done there? What's the right accessible price point? What's the right interface? What's all the right experience? Let's stop talking to the geeks. Let's go to the real masses where you where to really bring this technology to them, just like the iPod was for MP3s and digital music to 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 really break break it open for people and that was what got me excited going wait a second there's some there there right and i actually think it's important because i think if i was on the outside like i would assume that ledger went out and we knocked on your door and we were like tony we really need your help right um you really gotta you really gotta help us that's why i think this story is like worth telling because what what actually happened is you personally said i want to solve this problem well, I first said, I'm not interested. I'm like, I'll help you because Ian, you're my friend. And I knew Pascal because we had met a few times at different events. And Ian, you're my friend. I want to help you. And so that was the due diligence. And then I was like, well, look at this. We went to dinner with Pascal. We had a few things. I was like, I think you guys need to do this. And I was like, okay. And then I started thinking about the parallels back to the early iPod days and Nest days, all these different things. I was like, hmm. And so it started getting me curious. But I still like, I got enough stuff to do. I'm really busy. I don't need to do this. That was a different life. Well, and one of my favorite quotes from you is that when you have a when you have an idea, you run from it. Yeah, I run from a, when I think it's a, even a bad or a good idea, I run because I have too many ideas because I've embraced and, and them. And too little time. And too little time. So, so I got to run from them. them. But this one chased you down. It chased me down. I have a whole chapter in my book said, great ideas chase you and build. And so this was like perfectly timed, like this thing hunted me down and it would... I, you guys, did, we didn't even have a formal, it's just besides we're all friends. So I just started thinking about it, started with a white sheet of paper and then started designing it all myself just as a, and speculation, like maybe there's some there, there, just like I did Nest and other things. I was like, okay, let me start looking at it. So you went out and you bought all of the devices on the market. Oh, I went out and spent my money and said, I'm going to go try this thing. I'm going to see what it's really all about. And what did, it, what did, what did you learn from like looking at everything that's out there? In, I couldn't tell the- what anything was. There was nothing iconic. So first of all, you didn't know what any of them were. Were they USB sticks? Were they smartphones? There was nothing that you know, screamed, this is what this is. It all looked like something similar to something other thing. So people would get confused. So that was the first thing. Then I looked at them and they were all these black rectangles or squares or whatever. They were all these black shapes and they were like, there's nothing here that like drew me in. I was like, oh, that's not so cool. I'm like, why, why would I do that? Uh, we got to have some iconic thing. You know, when you saw the iPod, a lot of people are confused what the hell it was. But once it was burned in your memory, like for the next 18 generations, you knew what that thing was. Yeah, no, I know. I, like, I could just draw the outline and, and a whole entire generation of people go iPod. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's like when you see the Beetle, you know, the car, the Beetle or something. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Right. So what would be that iconic thing um, that so that was one thing, but that wasn't going to lead to anywhere. That was just what's unique. What's going to be that unique, that unique um, look. Then after that was like, well, it's got to be usable. Like right now, these are all beeps and buttons and different weird interfaces. And I'm like, this is like Morse code. I'm like, no, that's not going to work. And people are used to smartphone interfaces and they love them. So how do we get that without making a smartphone? So it can't be as big as a smartphone. It's got to be bigger than a USB stick because you can't do much with a user interface. So what's in the middle? And I was like, oh, of course, it's a credit card. Like that, like, can we get a keyboard to work on? And there was all kinds of other things, but everyone understands what a credit card is. And if you think of the future of, you know, digital, right? Credit cards were the first ones to go digital to, to actually take money and say you could transfer it. Like, oh, well, maybe that's a great analogy. People know what that is. So is this like a next generation credit card? So like, let's try with that and let's try to make a user interface that would work in that size. And doing a bunch of mock-ups, it was like, yeah, I think this can work. You know, that was another check. So here's credit card size, user interface that works. Could it be iconic as well? You right. know? And so, so dear listener, I would like to pause and say, now you know what was in Tony's head at, at the time. And then Tony called me and he said, Ian, I know what it is. And I was like, okay, what is it? And he said, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I figured out the design, but I can't tell you because I got to make sure I can build it. <laughs> exactly. So what was the part you were unsure about at, at that? Because you, you had the, you had a, is it safe to say like, 
you, you had a vision, you had something pictured in your head, you had a design, I, but you didn't even want to tell me about it yet because you, you had doubts. I had doubts. Well, look, we were already starting from a really great platform, the Ledger hardware platform, the, the secure elements and the, and the software. So it's like, I already knew we had that we could build on top of. Then I was like, okay, the size, this. Then I was like, wait a second. It's got to be iconic. If you look at all these other devices, whether they were cell phones or smartphone sized or USB sized, they all had a screen on them, but the screens were dead. They were all black. And I was like, why are they all black? Well, you know, I want, I want something that I can see now because it's not a device I'm going to, you know, it, I, I, I need to use like a, you know, a smartphone. It's going to be a very more specific purpose device. So I was like... What would I want? I want to be able to know what's on this device. And I was like, wait a second. I had been looking at trying to do something with e-ink displays. That's the same display that's on a Kindle. You know, million, hundreds of millions of shipped of those things. I was like, I've always wanted to do a product. I try to look at doing a product with Nest, with e-ink displays. And I was like, this is the perfect opportunity. I can actually get, if I can get an e-ink display, and I, I know I could, but could I get a, a special e-ink display that could always display whatever it is when it's off? that was robust enough that could have a touchscreen on top of it and, you know, at a small size and would allow us to have all the battery life of that people have been used to in the crypto world. Like, you know, you charge it once and it lasts six months, maybe even a year. Like, how can we get that? So it's like e-ink displays. Yes. And then I was like, but wait a second. We can't just have an e-ink display. Anyone can have an e-ink display. Then it looks like a mini Kindle. That's not fun. So how do we think about the future of cash? So we were already doing the future of credit cards. What's the future of cash? And if you think of a stack of cash, you know, it's a bunch of bills that are wrapped with a, with a, a band around it. And the band, so when you look at it from the side, the long way, you can see the denomination, even if you can't see top down. It's like, oh, a band and wrapped. And then I thought about ledger, a ledger being a book, being, hey, you, where you write down all of your transactions and it has a spine, a book has a spine. I was like, wait a second, can we have this little wrap like on a bill and a spine from a ledger all together? And that's when it came to me that's like, let's wrap the screen all the way around the side so we have this spine that can indicate value, can indicate what it is, as well as all kinds of other states of the device. And then on the top, have a personalization top it doesn't get affected. No notch like uh, you see on smartphones. It's literally a perfect display where you could display artwork, NFTs, what have you, whenever you want. I was like, this is it. So when I told you I had the idea, I was like, I got the idea. I got the everything. But I had to make sure we could get the screen and the screen would be that, that thing. So literally the first all plastic display that wraps around the side, if you could do that, and that's why I didn't want to tell you, yeah, is because I wanted to make sure we could get that display. And I think that there's another thing that's so interesting here, and I hope you don't mind me saying, but this is my personal opinion. First of all, I think that from from my experience, you're the only person I've ever seen kind of um, envision, you know, the circuit board and the billboard simultaneously, <laughs> Thank you. right? Thank you. And I, and I think that that's uh, that's incredible. Also, you know, I'm I'm. I come back to the story that you've told me about the first iPod, that, that that device, and I never realized this, was a risk because there was a hard drive in it which had never been in market before. So yeah, no, it was a new. It, it, it had never even shipped, right? It never, in, not just in a music player, but never even shipped to anyone. It was the this brand new. It, at that time, was a five gigabyte mini hard drive. And how big was the risk? Like, what was the? What do you think the risk that that product was just going to fail in market because that hard drive didn't work? Well, the hard drive was originally made so you could slip it into a laptop, right? So you could slip it into what was then known as a PCMCI or PC card slot. So it was designed for that. But what we were doing was we're taking that little hard drive and putting it inside a little handheld deca, deca card sized device and it could get dropped. You don't drop your laptop. Like, you know, when you drop your laptop, you're like, oh shit, I dropped my laptop. It's probably dead. When you drop a, at that time, a Walkman or whatever else, it's like, oh, it's going to just keep working, a radio, whatever it is. Like this thing had to keep working and it had a hard drive in it. So this was a huge risk from the, for, for the iPod itself was like, we can make all this other stuff work, but could it be robust enough? And that's the same way I thought about the screen, which was, okay, we're going to make this all new thing that the world's never seen before. Right on the iPod, we had the first lithium ion battery too. We had a few things, but really it was the hard drive that was the, the biggest 
if this goes wrong, it goes really wrong kind of situation. Well, and that, that's the part that I, I, I just wanted to like, uh, you know, focus on for the listener because I find it really, really interesting. I think, you know, it's one thing to just dream un, unbounded, right? You know, I, again, like we always say, ideas are cheap and execution is hard. It's also, it's another thing to like, look at everything that's out there on the market and go, okay, how do I make, you know, uh, a, a hardware wallet? based on all the technology that's exists in the market. And I think that, you know, what is so cool about what you've done and, and that's why I make the iPod example, because I think it's what you do is, <laughs> is you, you go, ah, what's almost possible, right? It, it has to be just the new, it has to be so new that no one else has it. So you can make it your own. It's also available, by the way. Like there, there's a there is someone that you can call. Now we, well, we, yeah, we you know, there's always someone you can call. Just like I remember the multi-touch screen on the i i iPhone. There's always just, but it's never quite right yet. Yeah, I think I've heard you say that the the multi-touch screen on the iPod, the first or the iPhone, the first time you saw it was the size of a table. Yeah, it was the size of a ping pong ping pong table. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Like 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 it was not shrunk. Okay, down. so it's quote unquote possible. It's possible, <laughs> but can we actually make millions of them and can do it in good quality? And 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 you know, and that was the same thing with the hard drive. They they well, didn't know. They didn't even think they had a market for it. Like well, and, by, like, and by the way, same, same thing here, you know, when, when, uh, you know, we're, when we're talking to the company about the screens, they've never made them in these kind of numbers. Right. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And not, not with these kinds of, we, we push the, the, the boundaries on every single piece of on it, the, right? on the specs, on the, on the, on the radius of the, on the curve curvature, yeah, the curvature on the side, but look, look, let's be, let's be truthful. You guys all looked at me. Everybody did. Pascal, you, Charles, I didn't the whole know, ledger team. I didn't know enough to really be skeptical. Well, okay. You, you, <laughs> you, you were just like, yeah, if Tony says. If Tony says, I say yes. But trust me, I was new. I was the new guy on the blog. Even with whatever I had done in the past, everyone's like, this guy's going to lead us down a, a, a rabbit hole that's like we're never going to get out of. Like, we're going to tank the company based on this guy. Are you sure? This Tony guy's crazy is what I heard. So I had to do a lot of, you know, making sure it was right. And that's why I didn't want to tell you. Well, and and I had, before I presented it as the solution and, and then, you know, everybody's skeptical and that's fine. They should be. Uh, but, you know, with everybody's leadership, your leadership, Pascal's leadership and showing how it could work and showing that it's real, like we were able to commit to that. It's not been easy, but it's that thing that makes it so makes yeah. it so important. Well, you know, it's there's so a couple iconic. Of, there's two other things here I want to capture for posterity because I, I feel in some ways like I'm I'm doing my own oral history that you know that like <laughs> so my, my if I tell my kids these stories you'll be able to like yeah I'll back you up cor corroborate them for me. But again to the to the point on um, not wanting to you know jump the gun too much. You know, we were out with the kids one day and you're like, okay, do you want to know what it is? I'm like, yes, I do. And and you and what. You, you described to me a device which is credit card sized, um, has an e-ink display, and the e-ink wraps all the way around the edge. And so that you get that feeling of, a, of a, what you said to me was, what does the future fat stack of cash look like? And to get that, you stack them up. You stack them up. And they magnet together, right? Um, so, and, but what you said to me that day is you said, okay, but you can't tell Pascal yet. Right, because you were still, you know, doing the diligence. Yeah, on, on making the sure we can itself. price it out right. We can make money with it. And I have to say, like one of the things I love most about this project is, um, you know, we we did everything that you said. We we talked about it. There were there were we cast doubts on it. We validated it. We pushed it forward. We also then got together with our friends at Layer, Benjamin and the team. That's right. And we looked at a number of different, you know, kind of versions, and some of them looked very different. They were they were longer or taller. The the screen wrapped around the top instead of the side, um, and we some cases the screen didn't wrap too. Exactly, we we took a very serious look at alternatives, right? So I think that's actually something too to to highlight for people who are thinking about this. You didn't like have one idea in your head and then say my idea is for sure for correct and it cannot be challenged. You know, like we actually. We, we went on a, a, a like a, a multi-month exercise of challenging the idea. Right. Technically, right. design-wise. Now, what I love is that we ended up in the original design. Yeah. You know, and, and we we were trying to rule in other things, rule out stuff that was in the design, like when we went through it. And it, it still came out the way first envisioned, which is amazing. And it's great because that showed us we were on the right track. And it got... You know, all those skeptics, they all got on track the same track as I did because they worked through their brain, in their brain, yeah, saw the, the details and said, oh, yeah, we can commit 
because Ledger, you know, Ledger is not a Google. Ledger is not a huge company. It's a big company in the in the crypto space, the biggest in the in the hardware wallet space. But we have to every step has to be well considered and has to be done right. Yeah. And I feel like that's also in the category of running from the idea. Right. You know, let's you know, yes, I love the idea. Yes, we love the idea, but let's challenge the idea. Exactly. There is something really beautiful. And I wonder how much of that is sort of. um uh, uh, you, you know, bias, right? And for, for me, I was definitely biased. Every time I looked at the at, at, yeah, at the sure. designs, I was like, yeah, you know, I still love the original one, you know. Um, so, but anyway, I just I I, I love that bit of it. Um, I, I think also, you know, just just going through the whole process, there was there was there was more because um, there there was a cultural thing that was happening at the same time, and I think, you know, we have you Ledger has an absolutely uncompromising security culture. There Absolutely. are many times in the past seven years of this company when we could have played to the thing of the day, right? I mean, the amount of times since I've come to this company that people inside the company have tried to get us to compromise on security or self-custody. I even tried. <laughs> I even tried. I was like, could I? and then you guys would convince me, no, this is the way it has to be. And I was like, okay, that's yeah, the way it has to be. For one reason or another, you know, it's very easy to compromise on security or self-custody. And this, this company for seven years has had this rudder saying that's where we don't compromise, right? And then you bring in, and you, you didn't come alone. Right. You know, we, we immediately, you know, brought in people who we brought in amazing people like David Tubman, the first guy and one of the first people on the iPod team. We brought people from iPhone team from Nest. We brought even user interface designers from General Magic and people I've worked with for years. So, you know, much to your credit and to Pascal's credit, you, you didn't just allow me to do the design. You also allowed me to design the team and say, these are the people we need, right, to actually pull this off. And we're able to bring the best of the best, the dream team together with a dream team of security to, to make this happen, which is like astounding. Yeah. And I, I think that's I think that's the part like watching that. um you know, I personally, you know, I always lived in LA and worked in San Francisco and I felt like this human bridge between these two cultures, this sort of media culture and then this tech culture, these two cultures that needed to know each other. And then I moved here and I'm this human bridge between, you know, these, these, you know, I was, whether it was a fashion luxury culture and, and the Silicon Valley culture. Now these are two different cultures, right? Like the culture of ease of use is very different from the, the the culture of security. Yeah, and so and we have have two people or two sets of people that are uncompromising on both sides. Like this must be simple for the consumer, and this must be secure by design, as you said. And putting those two things together, I feel. I mean, honestly, for me, it feels like a bit of magic. It was yeah, it was putting those things together to get those cultures to work because they're very different cultures. But then there's also putting it on this device that also was very risky, right? Like all these risks. So we're putting risk and risk and cultures and, and blending it all. But, and it seemed like it was, you know, like, oh my God, in the first months, it was like, ah, who's these guys? And why is this showing up? And why don't they do it this way? And da, da, da. like, there was a lot of creative tension. Um, but thanks to your leadership, Ian, and thanks to Pascal's leadership, we were able to bring this stuff together and a lot of discussions with all these teams to really get people to understand what we're trying to do. And we we all we had to we were still uncompromising on the user experience, but we found ways to work together with the uncompromising security experience to make them so they could sing as best as possible and understand every single reason why we asked the user to do certain things was really justified and wasn't just skipped over or wasn't, you know, or uh, it wasn't extraneous. Like we were still able to remove some things and we were also able to, you know, uh, streamline to make it the best experience without compromising security, which was really, really nice to see. And, but it took a lot of work together to say, we're going to think about things differently from both sides. So, okay. So after all this, the device must be perfect, right? We're done. Yeah, right. <laughs> Device is done. Sure. Hardly. I mean, I think and one of the perspectives that you've brought to the team, which has been most helpful is, guys, there's a V1. There was a V1 iPod or Gen 1 iPod and there, you know. Gen 2, yeah, 18 different generations. And, you know, the other thing was. How do you, you know, think about that? Because if you're uncompromising on the experience, but you you know you're not going to get everything in and you've got it, there are certain things and that, that, are, that aren't going to be visible until future generations of the hardware. How, how do you kind of manage that expectation? Well, I, 
you have to, you know, great artists ship, you know, that's what Steve would always, Steve Jobs would always say is great artists must ship. So, and I also, so I learned that from him, but I also learned a general magic. There's a great documentary people should watch out there, you know, about one of the biggest failures in, in existence. Generalmagicthemovie.com. Yes, exactly. And we were trying to make version 10 before shipping version one. At General Magic. At General Magic. And so what we learned was, and what I learned the hard way was, make sure you get that V1 out to get the best way you possibly can to get feedback. And that was the same thing with the iPod. V1 was getting it out there and we had lots of stuff to do with V2 and V3. And so another thing I said to you guys was, look guys, if we're going to do this stacks thing, it's not just V1. We're going to have to keep iterating it as always. And you said, absolutely. So there's one which is iterating the hardware and that's just normal. Everyone understands that. But then there's the other one, which is you know, iterating the software and the services on top of that. And that can happen more quickly. And so it's really nice to be able to know that we have, we all work together and we're making roadmaps of where this thing goes, because just like we see where the original iPod or the iPhone was, or Nest for that matter, and how it's continued to grow into people's lives. And we actually put more hardware in this version of the product than necessary because we know of all the cool stuff we want to do with the software and services over time. Just like when you upgrade your phone with new operating systems, it has new capabilities. We think we're going to have the same thing here. Yeah, I think that's an important point that I want to make sure that that people who are, are listening understand is because it, it probably feels like we're making a, a lot of noise about this about this product right now. But I think for you and I, we think about it as the, the V1 iPod. Um, and the and the V1 iPod was, there was no iTunes for Windows at that time. And by the way, Windows was 98% of the world at that moment. People forget. Um, there was no iTunes store, right? So and, and no iTunes store with music or videos or anything else. Like exactly. Just no no video, no podcasts. You had to no. rip everything with the CD. You had to put the physical CD in and, and copy it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who who it was that, that that told me that that it was like Jaws who came to their office with a stack of CDs to help them like rip them and and, and get them in one day. Exactly, exactly. Um, which is which is just incredible. But I think that that's the that's the right way to think about it. But I, let me ask you. I mean, you know, uh, the, I'm, people throw around iPod analogies all the time. Do you think that this is a, a, a an apt analogy in in the case of Ledger Stacks? I think it is. Well, if I look at from the you know kind of the way the market is developing. Right. It's still early days in the grand scheme. We, we have millions of users and everything else, but it's still early days in this world of digital assets. But you needed something to really thrust it into the next next, uh, you know, kind of uh, next level of growth. And so this, I believe, is that it's going to be able to it's accessible. It's people. It's attractive. It's not just rational. It's a, it's an emotion. There's an emotional reason for owning it as well as a rational reason for owning it. And we just saw all the stuff that's happened in the crypto world. If you don't own your, if you don't hold your, your crypto yourself, it's not yours. Right. And so there's enough users out there who know that they need a device like this because they have been burned or heard about people who burned. And there's a lot of people who want to have a, have something and they want to get in this world and feel secure that they're doing it the right way. I think we've just shown that. And I think we're at that right moment. Who would have known the blow up that we just experienced? But wow, it couldn't be more perfectly timed because we started this 18 months ago. It's not like we, we had a crystal ball, but it all just fell in our lap. And it reminds me of MP3s all over again, which was, you know, the RIA, the Recording Industry Artists Association was suing all of suing Napster, they were all going suing after retailers, everybody anywhere in the digital music space. People were saying regulate, regulate, all that stuff. Yeah, no, you and had, it was you a had, disaster in digital music in 2001 when the iPod congressional hearings about P2P at the same time that you were launching the iPod. So there's a, that that analogy. Oh yeah, is, it wasn't a, it wasn't like it wasn't a fait accompli that the iPod was to be a success. No, and it's not like the music business was embracing digital music. They you, wanted nothing to do with it. Right. So I, th I, that's, I think that's such an interesting analogy that, that, that most people have probably forgotten at this point. They're like, oh, wow, yeah, I I, yeah, that does sound familiar now. But it's not like the iPod launched into like a world where everyone was like, digital music is the future. Oh, no, nobody was saying that at all, right? And people, and, by the way, people didn't even think Apple was the future. When oh, you no, launched no, the iPod. I, I didn't even know if I was joining Apple because Michael Dell was saying, let's pack up the company and give it back to the shareholders and, and just sell it off in parts. So think about what's changed in those those 20 years exactly. from then to now. So think about, you know, we don't even remember that in 2000, 
the internet imploded. Like all the companies on the internet imploded and said, no more e-tailing, no one of this stuff's going to happen. And then the best years were the next one. So I'm looking at this the same way. I saw that digital music was in turmoil. The internet was in turmoil in 2000, 2001. Yes, the crypto and digital assets is in turmoil right now, but the technology will exist. It does exist. It exists for a reason. And you, we're just learning the right way to do it. We tried version one. Now we're going to do it the right way. And people understand self-custody is it. And we're going to have the right devices and experiences to allow people to confidently get involved and try it out and see what they think. So to me, this is a, a breath of fresh air to more or less press the reset button on how people think about the technology, not about the culture. Let's put the culture aside, but the technology and its benefits. And so... 2000, 2001, all over again. I love that we're in this turmoil because it just there's so many parallels. I'm like, and I think we have a, I think we have something that really can, you know, to can drive a lot of people to think differently about what the future of digital assets is. Yeah, and and I I, I completely agree in doing it right. And I think you you know you and I can kind of, um, you know, look objectively at, at Ledger as relative newcomers here and say that, you know, the fact that these guys have been saying security and self-custody for the past seven years, you know, makes, makes them look incredibly prescient at this moment in, Christ, in crypto history. It's funny because for me personally, I actually thought Ledger Stacks was perfectly timed because I was looking at what companies like Instagram and Facebook and Nike, you know, Nike were doing in the space and going, oh, like you said, a piece that has, you know, connection to culture, connection to emotion, like this is going to be, you know, a real driver of adoption for people. You know, people might not be coming in just because they're, you know, speculating on crypto assets. Oh, well, I love your term, internet of value, right? It's not just internet of information, which we've been going through, but the internet of value is, is really true and it, it feels right. And, and so, you know, the fact that this turmoil, as you said, has opened people's eyes to the importance of self-custody. And as you said, you know, putting something into the space that does it right. And to me, that, you know, that sort of like not your keys, not your coins is like when on the iPod it said, don't steal music. Don't steal music. Exactly. Do it, do it right. Do it do right. Do it right. But we I think have we're to... all wiser now. I think we're all a lot wiser. But I just remember those early days when I would, and I didn't tell you this, but, you know, this is something behind. But when you guys were talking to me, Pascal and and, and you, Ian, and we were having those dinners and those lunches and, and talking about what the future of Ledger and the, you know, products could be, I was always like, yeah, you'll just use a central exchange. I was always saying that to you, but I was also like, yeah, central exchange, central exchange. Yeah, what the hell? We already have Coinbase. We already have these other things. Why does anyone need anything else? And so as I got to learn more and more through the work of the dungeon, the work of Charles G and, the, the, and all of the security, you know, I was like, oh, self-custody does matter. Most people don't understand this yet. We see lots of hacks, but it's really not about self-custody yet. Yeah. You know, in terms of like in top of mind and it's like it couldn't have been like dropped in our lap like, oh, OK. But you really had to understand the technology and understand the difference between these kind of third party, uh, you know, uh, third party custodials versus your, you know, versus the self-custody. Well, it's I, a very, very different thing. And the reason why crypto was created in the first place. Exactly. If not self-custody, why crypto? And the, the thing that got me to, um, you know, to kind of uh, really understand it was again i i was at aol in 1999 i was at nullsoft which made winamp nullsoft was purchased by aol and i was there when aol said the future of aol is aol.com right so when brian armstrong said you know the future is self-custody i felt like i'd seen that like you know aol saying the future is aol.com you know moment you know but but it's true that you know two years ago when i started at this company and i was you know preaching self-custody it was sort of like i was trying to convert people to veganism you know yeah, and they, they were why do at, i need to do that they like everything's like, fine yeah and i'm sure it's healthier but man have a hot dog come on like <laughs> lighten up you know um but now i don't have to have that conversation anymore thankfully but i also think that that's where a product like ledger stacks is important because it's like you know, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, it's why iTunes was important, right? And the iTunes store was important because it's one thing to say to people, don't steal music. And, but they're looking at you going, but, but this other thing's easier. I want this. I exactly. want this convenience. I want all of these other features and functions that, 
that come with it. Give me what I want in a form that I don't want. Don't just it. don't tell me no. Exactly. And so I feel like that's where this is important as well because we're putting it in people's lives in that way. Well, I'm 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 terribly excited. I, I you know, like I said, I didn't want to do this, but then I was totally convinced. I convinced myself, and now it's I now because of all the things are falling in place and you know everything you guys told me at the beginning is actually coming true. Plus I convinced myself. I'm like this is a really interesting moment, very, very interesting moment. So I'm, and we've been working with the teams every around the world and they're so, they are so jazzed. And when we started showing people this, the device for, for real, just over the last week, two weeks, people who are in the know, I can't believe the reaction. So, you know, I, there's been a few people like, yeah, 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 whatever. But I remember in, in, at Nest, at iPod, even iPhone, there are those people, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. And then there's the people who really knew and got it. And so if you have that kind of polarity where people are laughing at you and other people are like, no, this is serious, like this is important, it's usually a good indication of what might what might be to come. And so, you know, it's, it's always nerve wracking when you do something new, a V1 that's totally different than anything's there. And you're like, is this going to be accepted? You know, because we, we always talk every day and we like, we convince ourselves. But when we finally got to show people over the last couple of weeks who've never seen it and they kind of got it in terms of like, well, there's the FTX thing, but we, they also understood what the device meant and they where it can go and they got terribly excited. That was like, okay, I can breathe a little easier. Let's just ship now. Like, let's get this thing out and let's see what people can do with it because we're just getting started. I can't imagine what V3 and V5 and 7 and 12 are going to look like. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that. But I really want to see those reactions that people have on when they have the devices later on in their hands. I'm so excited to because I remember what those feelings like, you know, and I can see it on your face. You're smiling. That's, a, like, that's the fun part. Just see what people think when they when they put their hands. I mean, on. ultimately, we work for them, right? We work yeah, for the course. users. So we're going right. to put it in their hands. They're going to tell us what they think. And then we go back and build for them. Yeah, absolutely. So I I'm, can't wait to get the feedback and see what the, what people think. And we can all go work on whatever the future is after that. So, man, well, I'm really happy that we got this got this on tape, virtual yeah. tape. But I really, I'm going to start the way I, I'm going to finish the way I started, which is just thank you. It's that, super fun to do this with you, man. Dude, like how it's a dream come true, you know, and, and, and just all of it, but especially working with you, working with Pascal, working with the team, doing it in Paris, doing it outside of Silicon Valley and sh showing the world with all kinds of talent from around the world. Like you can go and build stuff that's amazing and it doesn't all have to be in Silicon Valley and you can have like world-class stuff and you don't have to always come from a big company and do something that's going to be really important and fundamental. So this is just, it's, I, it's a dream come true. I pinch myself. So it's so, so wonderful. So thank you for the opportunity, Pascal and all, the whole Ledger team for working with the crazies, like me, the crazy, as well as the other crazies I brought in. And uh, we'll see what happens. I'm terribly excited. Yeah, super fun. Thanks. Oh, Amen. and then just to bring it all the way back around to our to the person that introduced us to begin with, what are we doing tonight? Oh, Bradley. Yeah, Bradley. Hey, Bradley, thank you so much. You got us. We're going to go see Robert Smith and The Cure, your favorite band. Our, we love these guys. We can't wait to see, see them here tonight in Paris. So, Perfect. All together. Bookends. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Bradley. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.